Uh, blessings to you at home uh, who are online, and uh, may this word also go well with you as we continue on uh, with our study. This is my favorite time of the week, Sundays. It's uh, well, Wednesdays too, yeah, Tuesdays. Every day of the week is great. But anyways, um, <laughs> Mondays are great. That's, that's when we do our um, kids have it off this week, so oh. more time with them. And that's not sarcastic. That's, that's, that's genuine. I love my kids. Like, I love being with them. They're like my people, you know? Literally, my people. Like, they're my kids. They are like my, what's the word? I don't know what the word is, but kids. Wonderful. wonderful. They're wonderful. That's right. And so are yours. I guarantee it. Um, anyways. All right, uh, why don't we begin with a word of prayer. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for uh, the true high priest, Jesus Christ. Lord, that through all things, uh, you give us the one and uh, the one who cleanses us from our sin. Lord, bless us in this one true faith that in the midst of all the waves and winds of other doctrines, O oh Lord, uh, that you, that you uh, always root us in only Christ. Bless us today in your word, and may this go well with us. We pray all this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So today we're going to talk about uh, the closing of chapter 6. Uh, or, yeah, the closing of chapter 6. And then at the closing of chapter 6, we bring up uh, the Lord is our righteousness, Melchizedek, just once more time. Uh, Melchizedek, Melchizedek, Melchizedek. Say that ten times. You'll see what happens. Um, but... I love how the writer really does connect everything together as if it's some type of apologetical approach for the Hebrews, though they're Christian and though they're believers, to really get them back to connecting the dots and saying, oh, okay, okay, okay. And not simply just saying, this is what you believe uh, and, and, and believe it, but really has that way of connecting all the dots for those dots to speak for themselves. And I think a lot of times when we talk to people, sometimes that's the way to which we convey the message of Christ. Right? All those connections and then, aha, like, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> that makes sense, right? And this is what the Hebrew writer does. So uh, I think a very good reminder for us, for our faith, but also uh, for those around us. All right. Um, verse uh, 19 and 20. We're just going to go 19 there um, because, um, oh no, we talked about the anchor of the soul, right? So what we talk about, uh, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, Hebrews 6.19, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. So when we talk about our faith, the anchor, anchor is, uh, I'm not sure if that's the most important part of the boat, but I'm assuming it is. Is it? I'm not a boat guy. I usually swim in the water. I'm not a, the rudder. The rudder. Um, the anchor is the one that keeps the boat from swaying, especially through uh, storms and all these things. Uh, but the anchor of the soul is Jesus, the one who goes to that inner place behind the curtain. Again, for the context, Hebrews, Old Testament, priests, remember, curtain, holy of holy, the most holy place. Uh, we very well know that this curtain was torn into two by the work of Christ on the cross as it was torn. And now verse 20, uh, so we could read that. 
Okay, so where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Um, so who is known as the forerunner in the Bible? St. John the John. Baptist, right? Uh, so from St. John the Baptist, uh, we see um, the forerunner, Elizabeth forerunner, you and, and you know what I'm talking about here, forerunner. Um, uh, and then we see uh, Jesus, of course, the fulfillment uh, of John 129, uh, Behold the Lamb of God. Again, Jesus, the Christ. And he is the one who prepares uh, the home for you. Uh, as we see there in John 14, um, um, I will leave uh, for you in a bit and I will prepare the place for you in John 14. And here we see uh, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. So what is this on our behalf? Why is that? What is it about that language on our behalf um, that is that points us to the gospel? Why is on our behalf very important when it comes to the uniqueness of Christ and what he has done? Well, there's no part of ourself in that, in the sense that we are not doing anything. It is being done for us. On our behalf. Behalf, right? (laughs) And that's right. You know, when we say on our behalf, what should be going on in your heart and mind is for you. In your place, the gospel, right? Gift. We could do this all day. Grace. <laughs> See, the, the point is, is that when we say on our behalf, uh, this is what we cannot do on our own. The Hebrews couldn't do it on their own. They couldn't revert back to their Old Testament ways and, and trust that all those things that had been done uh, could save them. No, it's, it's on our behalf, Jesus the Christ came to save us and, and, and rise from the dead, right? This is all for you. This is what needed to be done on your behalf. It's like when you, in examples in life, when you speak on someone's behalf, you are representing them, right? And, and in the same way, on your behalf, on our behalf, there Jesus goes ahead of us, and that is uh, uh, namely the gospel and what he has done. So this on our behalf is very important in terms of false teaching, uh, of the time, persecution, uh, of, the, of the time, or even reverting back uh, to what was in their heart and mind maybe greater than Jesus, right? That's always a temptation. Maybe there's something greater than on our behalf uh, that is to go back to their own Jewish ways. And, and here we see clearly that it, it's only Christ on our behalf. I can't speak for my, Don can't even speak for me. <laughs> See, I made him laugh. That, I, think, I think that's two times, Don. That's two times. So I got two tally marks on that. That was a good one. That's a, that was a good one. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, and, and I say this is because <laughs> um, 
on our behalf is very important. I know we, you know, uh, in the Greek, huper, right? Huper, huper. And that huper is very important because it's all gospel. It's all Jesus. It's all outside of ourselves. And, and that is the key here. So I know it's only a small word right there. and You might kind of gloss over it when you read it. But really, uh, this is for you, right? Um, and they needed to hear this because they were swirling around in every wind of doctrine every old way of doing things, and even of sluggishness and, 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 and complacency. So there was a lot of battles there, but here the writer is saying, on your behalf, he has gone as a forerunner, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So for you on your behalf, the high priests. Uh, we talked about Melchizedek, I think, in chapter 5 of Hebrews, and uh, the Lord, the Zedek, is our righteousness. And when we talk about Melchizedek, uh, he has no lineage. Uh, and a lot of the Bible does not say too much about him, except in Genesis chapter 14 and Psalm 110. But Genesis uh, 14, um, actually we'll talk about it soon. Here we see the type of Christ. And that's what Melchizedek, or that's what the writer is trying to do. That this predates the priestly line of, let's say, Aaron to the, the, the Levitical tribe, a Levitical line, uh, and Melchizedek predates that. And this is very important in terms of not only um, as Melchizedek is a type of Christ, but as we see in chapter 6, 7, as we see in chapter 7, the reason for Abraham's tithe to Melchizedek will be the the connecting the dots to who Jesus is and that light bulb of that's right if we if Abraham gave to Melchizedek then right then it opens a door to see the true high priest of of what Melchizedek was pointing to and that is Jesus Christ now again why I say this is because what Old Testament Hebrews they went to the high priest of that Levitical line right and they revered them and, and rightfully so. They had a job to do in the Old Testament, but it was always foretelling what was to come in the true high priest, Jesus Christ, right? Um, and here the writer will show us clearly that what is above the Levitical priest is uh, not only Melchizedek in a sense, but as this Melchizedek points to the true high priest, Jesus Christ. Um, and, and that is where the writer is trying to get them to get back to the forerunner on our behalf and what the uniqueness of this gospel is all about, right? It's not about giving um, our sacrifices and, and, and doing the Old Testament uh, 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 traditions of what they were called to do. No, when Jesus came, all the sacrifices were, were done by the all-atoning sacrifice, Jesus Christ, right? No more, no mas, right? No mas, no more. Uh, we, don't, we don't need those sacrifices because he tore the curtain in two. It's done. Jesus is the way to be with God. Right? There is no other need. Right? But in order for them to understand this, they needed to see that Jesus was the fulfillment of what they were doing in the Old Testament rather than, oh, well, you know, we, we always did this, so let's just go back to that. I mean, it's good enough, right? So we'll just go back to the Old Testament ways and, and be on our way. Um, they needed to, again, have that re-instruction or re- repeating again what this Jesus is all about, and that is uh, through the line or through uh, the way of Melchizedek. All right? Um, yes? So maybe uh, the writer is uh, 
audience who would say, well, how, how can he be a high priest because he's not from the order of uh, Aaron? He's not a, a, a Levite. And why is that important, Don? In terms of Christ, you think? Because it's, it's, it's to make the point that Christ is the high priest. He's connecting them to a, a different non, non-Levitical order. That's right. Good. Um, yeah, thank you for ending our Bible study today, Don. We're done now. All right. Thank you, Don. <laughs> Pretty much done. Don, thank you just for ruining it. I'm kidding. But thank you. That's perfectly right. That's exactly right. You know, this is where the predating of the Levitical line, this is the connecting the dots, that there's more than just, it's a fulfillment of what is to come, not this is what it is, and it's compartmentalized with Christ and the Old Testament priests, and they kind of do their own thing. No, it, the, everything that was done in the Old Testament is pointing to the fulfillment of Christ, right? When we don't understand that, what do we do? We actually pick and choose and say, well, I want to go there, I want to go there. And there's no continuity, there's no anticipation, there's no fulfillment. It's just compartmentalizing what we want to believe when, in fact, the Bible's always pointing to Jesus, right? That's the key here. So uh, anyways, um, hopefully online, um, you got that too. Uh, But um, all right, uh, Hebrews 7, uh, verses one and two, if someone could uh, read that for me, that'd be great. This Melchizedek was kin of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First his name means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem means king of peace. All right. That's two verses, right? Um, okay, so the king of righteousness, uh, again, um, if you look at your notes, according to Genesis 14, and this is where we see kind of the, the meeting with Melchizedek with Abraham, right? Um, Abraham, along with uh, 318 men, overthrew and rescued Lot, his nephew, and all the, all the people along with their possessions. Now, after returning from the defeat of the kings, the four kings, um, Amraphel, uh, uh, Kedor Lamar, a title in Ariach, uh, we, we see the uh, Melchizedek uh, brought out bread and wine to bless Abraham. Now, again, he, he predates the Levitical line. This is before all that. And he blesses Abraham. That's a primary, one of the primary jobs of the, uh, of the priest, right? To bless the people. And, and this is where uh, uh, Melchizedek is blessing Abram. And... Um, uh, he is the king of Salem. Uh, many people would know Salem as Jerusalem, right? Uh, that is, uh, or, or that he is the king of peace. So again, Abraham, Abram's tithe, that is what the people did uh, for the high priest during that Levitical line. They would give their offerings. They would give their tithes. Uh, they would give the produce of their land to the, uh, to the priests uh, to live on. And and um, this was the order to which they were to do. So tithing to Melchizedek, predating the Levitical line, would indicate a lot for the people, especially Hebrews in their Jewish context, that, <laughs> um, that there's something about this. 
right? There's something about this in a sense of who is this Melchizedek? And though we won't get it today, uh, verse 11 and following, we see how the, the Hebrew writer really does compare Jesus and Melchizedek and how that all points together. But what is this about the tithe? Now, again, tithing is uh, uh, what uh, the tenth, right? Is that what you said, Marjorie? The tenth. So uh, when we talk about tithing, especially in this day and age, uh, that's kind of one of the elements there where we get uh, the tithe and, and what we do. But why did the people tithe in the Old Testament? Uh, why did they tithe? What, what do you think, um, you know, when we talk about the mandate, of course, it was, an or- it was a command to tithe. But at the end of the day, uh, what was their motivation to tithe? Like their motivation, though it was a command, uh, what, was, what was their motivation? What was their, just like we give, right? What, what is our motivation? Is it, I have to give or else? Or is it, what a great joy it is to tithe, because everything comes from God. Or, oh man, you know, tithing, such a burdensome thing. And uh, we just hold our wallet and our pockets like, oh, I'm not going to let that go. Or is it... Everything comes from God. My life this day, as I woke up this morning, it is from God. All that I have is from God. And thanks be to God for all that he gives, because everything is from him. Um, Marjorie, thoughts? Well, I'm not certain if this is right or not, but I was thinking that they would tithe 10% because it would um, be from that money that the priests would be able to live. And the function of the priests was basically to pray for the people. So this was, it's like the priests were kind of interceding for the people. Yeah. And, and so that's the sacrifices. Yeah. Why you tithe so that they can do that, so that they have the ability to do that rather than going out and plowing the field. Yeah, and, and on one sense, and I think the key, the key point of the Hebrew writer uh, of bringing up Melchizedek and the tithe is, is again, the main point is not necessarily the theme of tithing, of course, but really pointing to the priesthood or the high priest and what that's about. But on a side note with tithing, I think when we talk about the Old Testament, people gave because they knew everything that they had, the produce, the land, the fields, everything growing was from God. <clears throat> and I think that's, that's the key to tithing, friends, is our sinful nature versus our life of faith. In a sense of, does everything come from God? Or does my covetous flesh say, no, that's mine. (laughs) I worked hard for that. That's all mine. Those 40 weeks with my boss, oh, that's mine, right? Uh, And uh, I'd say, yeah, you know, you did make that money, but, but God gave you the ability to get up every day to use your talents for your neighbor, and, and God provides you the paycheck, and, and he gives you the, the roof that you live under, and, and we thank the Lord for all that, right? Uh, and, and here we see that, that tension of, does everything come from God, or, or, or does my idolatry of myself continue to be the, the, the purse strings, I guess you'd call it, of, of, uh, of how I live my life? And, and that's the bottom line with giving. I, I tell everyone, like, with giving, it's the most joyful thing to do. It really is. I, I, I think every time it's like, you know, you know, as we give to church, uh, I, every moment that I have when I prepare that envelope, um, 
it's just a reminder, God, you've given me everything. Like I look at my family and at the church, uh, uh, we're so thankful uh, for how we're provided for. I look at the kids and I say, thank, thank you, Lord, for sustaining them. You know, it's just so many, uh, it's a moment of thanksgiving rather than, mm. <laughs> oh man. So anyways, uh, that's a side note there for you guys. Uh, at the end of the day, it's the cheerful giver. Right, and that just cheer. Up in the morning, and just lay in there for a minute and think about all the things that God has given us, and and then you go outside and you look at the beautiful sky, and it's just it's just a beautiful world. I mean, there's a lot wrong in it, yeah. <laughs> That's right, and you know we live in California, yeah. so beautiful skies yeah. are common. But you know if you're in. You're in the storm right there. I... <laughs> but they are getting water. We got water last night. Did you see the water last night? That was good. Not too long either. Just a good little pattering right there. Always nice. Not too long. Not too long, but enough. Yes. You sound like me, Marjorie. It gets better as you get younger. Oh. Yeah, All right. I remember. Um, I think sometimes with tithing, that especially with today's salaries the way they are, for some people, you think about 10% and you think, oh, I can't do that. You know, God won't care if I only give 2%. And it's, it's a temptation to honor or to not honor that 10% and to think that whatever you give is good enough. And I think that borders on being like, okay, I always forget the two brothers, the one whose offering was good and the other one. Yeah, good old Cain. That's right. Evil. That's right. And I think that that becomes a great temptation. You know, if you're earning $100,000 a year, 10% becomes something that you don't, you, you think twice about, many people would think twice about. Um, yeah, you know, um, I think in my key just on tithing is off the top. That's all I, it's not an extra. It's, that's first more than anything. Um, it's off the top. So, uh, you know, I know there are situations where people have financial burdens that are unique, but in general, you know, it's in general, in general. Um, because I know our greed I know our greed. I mean, I look in the mirror and I see that tension as well. Like, <laughs> it can be there, you know? So you're like, okay, this is what's happening here. That's right. This is from the Lord. This is from the Lord. He gives you all things. What a great joy that is. And, and there we rest. Uh, but we, we all know that. We all know that tension of, of, of greed. Um, and and the, it's slippery too. Very slippery and subtle. <laughs> Like we even negotiate, like, oh, you know, 2%, 5%, 7.8%. You know, we're close. So, you know, but deep in our hearts, we're like saying, no, that's mine. That extra 7%, that's mine. And, um, and that's where we're bound. Do you see it? Like we're bound by it, our idolatry. And we don't see it that way, but that's what's happening. And that's very, what's the word? Whether we want to admit it or not, it's very... It's very, we're enslaved to it. 
And, and that's, how what, that's what dictates us in our sin. Uh, but when we cheerfully give, it's like, Lord, you know, you continue to provide and you are, you are everything um, in, in terms of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Apostles' Creed. Anyways, all right, as a side note, a long note right there, uh, we're getting back here uh, to uh, Genesis 14. Uh, he brought out bread and wine and blessed Abraham, and, and there uh, he would give a tithe and blessed him. And, and there uh, Melchizedek would bless him with a priestly benediction. So that priestly benediction is very important in a sense where this predates, again, the Levitical line. So there were benedictions given, um, and here uh, Abram would be the one to receive that. Now, again, as Don said, what Don saith is true, right? <laughs> oh, we could start a cult now. Anyways, uh, <laughs> the Church of Don. Anyways, um, uh, <laughs> Uh, all right, who would have thought I would say that? I need more sleep, by the way. Anyways, but the point is, um, uh, here, um, this is the, 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 uh, the, the importance of, of what this, who Melchizedek is, because if their great patriarch, again, Abram was their great patriarch, the one they looked to. If he's giving to Melchizedek, that is kind of connecting the dots, saying, okay, this is before the Levitical line, and he's giving to Melchizedek, our great patriarch Abraham. What does this mean, A great all Lutherans would ask, right? And uh, here we would see how the writer is kind of getting him down that, don't you see, kind of down that train of thought, like, okay, uh, there is more to this that Jesus, as we'll get to it, uh, Jesus is the true high priest. And, and how that, it's not a compartmentalized thing. Well, it's a fulfillment thing, right? All that in the Old Testament would be the fulfillment seen in the true high priest himself. So he's trying to get them there uh, with this Melchizedek example, Genesis 14. Okay, so verse 3, if we could read that for me. Anyone? Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like... So there we see the subtle what? We see the subtle introduction of, uh, of the Lord of Jesus Christ, right? What is it so important? Why does the writer say without father or mother? What is it about the genealogies and the, the priestly line? You know, priestly line, Levitical, boom, boom, boom. Um, but here we see without father or mother, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. And we see how this is beyond their own semblance of what they thought the true high priest or the high priest was all about. That it was above the Levitical line, right? And that is where he's trying to get the Hebrews. Because if they're stuck in the Old Testament without the fulfillment, uh, there they will inevitably just kind of go back to that teaching. And again, forget about on our behalf, only Christ, what that gospel is all about for you or for them. Um, okay, uh, verse 4. So we could read that. See how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoil. All right. So... Uh, 
how does the writer describe Melchizedek? See how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, right? So it's like all these signs are, you know, just kind of, look, guys, right? It's like these light bulbs are showing up to them like patriarch, Abraham, no beginning, no end, no genealogy, that there is, again, this is the, the, the resembling the Son of God. This is pointing back to the true and greatest high priest, Jesus Christ. So, so we see what the writer is doing here. Um, it's only Christ. It's not, and, and to contemporize, I don't like contemporizing scripture, but to, to apply this to the world today, I mean, only Christ has become what in our, even in Christianity, right? What has only Christ become? Or how has it evolved in certain ways? Uh, sometimes it has become only Christ, but I need to live, a, you know, I need to, I need to do all these things and have that extra caveat to fulfill salvation for myself. Or people say only Christ, but to be Christian, uh, as you hear them say what it means to be Christian, there is no Jesus in their explanation of what their, what their confession of faith is all about. Um, and this is where that compartmentalizing comes, right? The, the Hebrews were doing that very thing. And to bring everything together to only Christ is key because it's all Jesus. Like, it is. <laughs> it, it really is only Christ. We're not just saying that as a, what's the word? as a slogan that we just say because it sounds good, but everything we teach is only Christ because, as it says in Hebrews uh, 7 right here, um, it's all the fulfillment that God gives uh, from Genesis 3.15, right? So uh, here we see the great, how great this man is, that our great patriarch, right? The one that many revered Abraham would give. That says a lot about to whom he gave. That's the key here, Right? Um, and to be in that position as Abraham was, as everyone revered him, great example of what this probably means something, right? <laughs> this probably means something. And there uh, the writer is teaching them to, to see above just what they thought uh, was the way of, uh, of salvation um, um, by their own way. So Hebrews uh, 7 verses 5 and 6, if someone could read that for me, 5 and 6. All right, so sorry for the typo in your handout. Um, there's no um, book called Namum, 1821. Um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, but numbers, right? Yeah, that's funny. My, my red line didn't show up for that Namum. Interesting. Um, in my computer. But um, a reference to Numbers 1821, this was a command to give a tithe to the Levitical priest. The tithe used, uh, uh, it was uh, used as a, a connecting point, a bridge, right, uh, to, for the Hebrews to see the Levitical priests, but also in a similar light, Melchizedek, but even greater, right? How great is this man, as we see in verse 4? But now, um, Melchizedek was not part of any genealogical line, but still received a tithe. 
Right? And, and this is kind of the, the tipping point. Like, what is that about? Why did you receive a tithe? Uh, from my commentary, it says, um, the tithe is taken from the produce of the land, which is the result of God's blessing. The people pre- presented to God through the Levitical priests in order to acknowledge God's blessings as the source of their produce, right? So they, they're acknowledging God's blessings through the tithe, through the tithe to, to acknowledge that, yes, this is where everything comes from, from God himself, right? Um, and to seek God's blessing on them from the priests in the new agricultural year. So by the presentation of the tithe from the spoils of battle, Abraham acknowledges that God has blessed him by giving him the victory. So from his battle between the four kings and from the spoils he gave, there he is acknowledging that all things came from God, especially that victory to rescue the people and Lot, right? And all the possessions. And and this is, again, why is this so important? Because here we see uh, the giving as one who is of God, superior uh, from man, and there Abraham would give, showing the true high priestly nature, resembling the Son of God, Melchizedek, right? Um, And that's why giving is so great, because it's a joy to give. Um, Yeah, my kids, I'm like, yeah, you know, have a great job, make a lot of money, because you can give more to the mission of Christ. You can help more people in your life. What a great joy that is. I, I can't emphasize that enough. I tell my kids that all the time. Right? Get a great job and you can use all, your, all that God has given you for, for his glory. Helping your neighbor. Helping the church. Uh, continuing this ministry um, um, as you thank the Lord for all that you, he has given you. And uh, what a great... And, and, and as we see the people here, that's what they were to do. Right? So, um, anyways. Uh, yes. So we see how it's kind of going down this road of connecting the dots. Verses 7 and 8. 7 and 8. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. In one case, the tenth is collected by man who died, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. All right. So, so, so inferior and superior. Now, what is the writer doing now? Do you see the road that he's going under? He goes to Melchizedek. And then what does he do? Um, sorry, I spelled Melchizedek wrong. Um, he goes to Melchizedek, and then he goes to Abraham, and then he goes to his tithe. And what is this progression of his writing? And then he goes to uh, how great is this man that he would tithe. And now he's going to the conversation of what? What is inferior versus inferior versus superior? And here, as we see this conversation line, this writing, we see that, yes, Abraham, patriarch, the living priests are great, but yet he was giving a tithe to someone who is greater, our great patriarch, and that is where we see this inferior versus superior, right? So in this case, who is uh, the superior one? What is the writer trying to say? Anyone have an answer for me there uh, based on uh, that the inferior is blessed by the superior? What, is, what does that mean? What's the linchpin right here? What is, what is how is this word blessed uh, the indicator to who is inferior or superior. Who blesses Abraham? All right, so we see naturally, without saying it, 
Uh, yes. So you see how like they, he's answering their questions without questions. Is that what he, you know what I'm saying? Like he's just he's yeah. I mean I, that's so. What's the word? Yeah, I mean, that, that's so faithful, uh, that's so wise, um, that's so genius in a sense where he's really walking them down the path for them to make their own deduction? Deduce? Is that? I always get confused. Deduction? Right? Or induce, or, or not induce, but um, re, re, reduction or reduce, deduce? What's the other one instead of deduce that we use that I always get confused with? There's another one that's similar to deduce. Anyone? Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, uh, not important. Sorry, my, my, just my mind. Anyways, but here we see that, that blessing. Um, oh, what is it, Don? Deduce and um, it's the other one that I always get confused. They're very similar, but you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, um, but uh, here we see the blessing comes from, uh, as we sing this hymn number 805, Praise God from Whom. All blessings flow, right? Uh, there we are blessed by the one who is greater than ourselves, right? Who is greater than I. Uh, we see St. John the Baptist saying, you know, who is mightier than I, I can't even untie the sandals. Uh, that he is the greater. Increase, decrease, as St. John the Baptist would say, right? In order for him to increase, I decrease, inferior, superior, the one who is blessed. As God blesses us, he is a superior, and we receive that blessing from one who is even greater than Abraham, who is blessed by Melchizedek, right? So we, we see, again, the stature of Abraham. I mean, the father, the patriarch, right? I mean, this is the one they, what? They put on a, oh, you like that? Uh, very good. Very good. <laughs> I know, we should be in charades here. Uh, but uh, we put him on a pedestal, and now even above him, you know, like we see Moses and Elijah at the trans figure, uh, right? I mean, their great Old, Old Testament uh, people of faith are there with Jesus. Again, as you see that blessedness of being in Christ Jesus and, and that inferior versus superior. So we're constantly seeing this uh, dynamic here as the writers really just kind of getting them without just... Telling them, you know, like with your kids, you know, sometimes you don't just tell them the answer of what to do, but sometimes you kind of, what's the word? You kind of nudge them subtly to that conclusion and say, oh, I see what you're doing there, Dad. But they smell it from a mile away, so my kids. Anyways. Um, Is the word deduct? Deduct. Infer. Infer. Maybe. It's very confusing. Infer. Deduce. Surmise, oh man, Jeff. I surmise. Anyways, uh, here we see, uh, as we continue again, uh, the mortal men versus the one who lives, right? Who, the mortal men, the, Levit- the Levitical priests, they would die. They're human. That's why there would be a genealogical line that there would be passed down this, this job, right, of being uh, the priest. Now, with the one who lives, he doesn't, he doesn't die. He lives. So again, we see superior above the one who doesn't die, but who lives. And there, again, we see the continual comparison between what they revered 
and now who this true high priest is, right? Only Christ, very important. That's the, 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 the root to all this, uh, is that this is all about Jesus, right? Um, okay, oh, this is interesting. He goes, he goes even further uh, when it comes to the uh, genealogy. 9 and 10, we'll close with this, if someone could read that. So, that's pretty deep, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, being in the um, still in the loins, right, of his ancestors. So when we talk about family tree stuff, the, the writer is really saying, well, if the patriarch gave, that means in, in himself still was the, 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 the seed of, of the Levitical line. And therefore... If we want to go, like, you know that game, Six Degrees of Separation? Do people play that with, like, Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon or um, Kevin Costner, and you try to get them to the same movie? Right? Is that how it works? I forget. It's been a while. But something like that. You connect everything, and this is what's happening. He's connecting the family tree and saying, look, if Abraham gave the same line, then even your Levitical priests are giving. Right? And what is the obvious connection there that he's trying to make for the people, the Hebrews? What is he trying to say to them? That there is someone who is greater, who is above and superior than what they revere and hold to in that mighty tension of going back to the Old Testament, going back to their own ways. When in fact, the Hebrews, you heard the Christ, you know who he is and the radiance full of his glory. You read chapter one and we see the great picture of Jesus and what he has done. And, and here we see again, reiterating the fact that it's only Jesus who is superior, that from the loins of Abraham... That whole family tree is, is, is rooted uh, there in Abraham. So thus, as he gave, they're all giving as well to the one who is above, to, to the one who is superior. And in the same way, right, they are being blessed, right? They are, they are being blessed um, in a sense where from above by Jesus Christ and what he has done for them as a true high priest. Um, yeah. So, uh, any questions on that before we close? I know we're going to end in a couple minutes, but but any questions on that? Does it, do you see kind of the, the road that he took, the writer did, uh, and how important that is uh, to just kind of put all the pieces together and see that, uh, as we talk about, uh, and ultimately the family tree, and and how through Abraham they were all blessed by the superior in a sense where he is from above and, 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 and that's why Abraham gave that tithe. Uh, this is ultimately pointing to Jesus. Next week, uh, we will talk about, now the writer goes, Jesus comparing to Melchizedek. See how that, it all kind of unfolds kind of in that domino way, boom, 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 one after the other. And of course, if this isn't without Jesus, this is a, no reason to write these words, right? It always is the fulfillment of Christ, only Christ. I can't say that enough uh, until the end of time. That's, that's everything, right? So, uh, okay, um, we'll stop there.
hopefully that was fruitful for you, fruitful to you. Uh, those on YouTube, if you're watching, uh, hopefully that was fruitful to you as well. Uh, why don't we close with a word of prayer? Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for uh, being the one true God, the Alpha and the Omega uh, that you give to us, um, the true high priest, Jesus Christ. Lord, bless us and keep us in your promise, knowing that what you say, you do. Bless us in salvation, in your forgiveness. And grant us your peace, knowing full well that all things are from above. For all these things we are thankful. Bless us this week. We hear all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.